Hi everyone, good morning. Uh, welcome to the podcast on how to create your sales compensation programs to accelerate employee engagement. Uh, it's my pleasure to have with us uh, Dr. Robert Bishar, who leads worldwide sales compensation and acquisition at Autodesk. Uh, I'll just quickly introduce myself. Uh, I'm co-founder and CEO at Connect, a modern sales compensation solution that not only automates your incentive compensation, but adapts to your business needs and nudge your sales teams to perform at their peak. Good morning, Robert. How are you doing? Good morning, Pocket. I'm doing fine. Thank you for the invite and thank you for giving me the opportunity to participate in this podcast. Our pleasure, Robert. Great to have you here. Uh, do you mind giving us a quick intro about yourself, Robert? How did you come to uh, become part of the sales incentive compensation? Just walk us a little bit about uh, what have you done in the past and, and your experience around that. Um, I'll try to keep that as short as possible. So um, after finishing my degree in physical chemistry and getting a PhD, Unfortunately, there weren't a lot of jobs around, so I went into the IT business because my degree was mostly done on computers. From there, I went into doing a lot of consulting services and um, worked for Microsoft for a long time. And at some point was asked to take over sales incentive compensation for the services team at Microsoft, basically doing that worldwide. Mm -hmm. uh, that in 2006, and it was based on the fact that in my prior roles, well, one, I had a fair amount of experience with sales, um, which I think is a very helpful tool in doing sales instead of comp because you do understand what motivates people and what doesn't. Um, and second of all, it in my prior jobs, it was required to do a fair amount in finance, uh, a lot of work together with HR. And, so, and operations, of course. So when you look at that triangle of HR, finance, and sales operations, mm -hmm. you could pretty much put sales compensation anywhere in it. Um, luckily for me, it was in the operations side. And so I've been doing it ever since, did it for 10 years at Microsoft, and now for another eight years, roughly, at Autodesk or seven. Wow, that's, that's a lot of time in sales compensation. I'm sure we will have pearls of wisdom from you today, Robert. So, so Robert, let's start with a very basic question. Uh, why is it important for an organization to have an effective incentive program? I mean, how much attention should be given to, to designing of an effective sales compensation program? So let me put it this way. If you want your company to be successful, you want your salespeople to sell. Um, it's, I know it is sometimes the belief that a product sells itself, but in most cases, we know that that is not the fact, or there's competition, right? It's, uh, it's to a degree, a me too world. And when I say me too, I mean, there's another product that does something similar, might not be quite as good, but a lot of the actual acquisition of a product depends on a good sales team or a good sales approach, because it could just as well be through, um, an e-store or something else which requires more marketing. But the classic and traditional approach, which is still valid today, is through a sales team. And when I say sales team, it's usually not just one person, it's multiple roles that participate in the sales cycle. To be able to motivate those salespeople to sell the products that you want them to sell, 
in a way that supports the company strategy, that supports the sales strategy, that supports the go-to-market strategy. All of these things have to be reflected in a comp plan or basically be motivated by the sales comp plan so that the sellers actually sell what you want them to sell in a form, function, value, and everything else that benefits the whole company and follows the normal strategy. So without a proper sales comp plan, you're not going to get the results you actually need to make a company successful. And one of the keys behind it is, and when I say not having a sales comp plan, if you have a bad sales comp plan that is too complicated, for example, they'll try to spend too much time dissecting what it actually means on how to make money. Or if it just fun promotes or basically has too much emphasis on a certain point that is not beneficial to the overall company, then it will fail as well, or it will cost you too much money. Great, great. So, so that's very helpful, Robert. So, so I understand that, okay, it's important for a company to have an incentive program, right? Uh, obviously to motivate the sales team to sell the right products, right? And, and in the right manner. So, but how do you achieve that? How do you align your own sales comp plans with the goals of the organization? I mean, what are some of the things that one should do in order to ensure that the intended objectives, uh, right? Which is, which is obviously to drive performance, top line or bottom line for the organization is achieved through sales compensation. How do you ensure that? Um, there's a combination of things. I mean, of course, in the classic ICM world, your insurance of being successful was basically after the fact in that when you when you finished the year you knew if your sales comp plan was good or bad in the sense that it was a lagging indicator of did you do it right or wrong i think with the move towards sales performance management and basically up leveling from where we have been in the past with incentive comp management um and i'll get into more details if you wish at some point, we're far better equipped to be able to do modeling and predictions of model incentives that we want to know, will this work or will it not work? Can I try this? What will be the cost? What will be the benefit? What do I predict the sales team is going to do? In the past, that was very much limited by, as I said, the lagging indicators, taking those and maybe putting them in a spreadsheet. And you couldn't really do a lot of modeling with intelligence. Basically, the only thing you could use was your brain itself, which of course, at least in my personal opinion, there's limitations to what we can do because I can't compute that many numbers in my head uh, that fast and nor can a spreadsheet, there's limitations. So with, with the move to predictive analytics and AI, we are now capable of doing a lot more what-if scenario evaluations. And from that, together with the experience and together with the intent of what you're trying to drive, mm -hmm. we're now able to do more work in being truly, truly predictive as opposed to lagging, yes, I did it right, or yes, I should have done something differently. Yeah, and, and how effective that is it? I mean... In your experience, I mean, sometimes these AI tools and predictive analytics, right, so to speak, are just automation. I mean, do you think that uh, are there 
solutions to enable you to really predict uh, and how accurate they are, I mean, in your experience? So um, to be a little bit blunt, there's not many solutions out there. There's actually only very few. Um, I mentioned before, when we look at sales performance management, what a lot of companies have done is they focused on the front end more, things mm -hmm. like territory management, quota management, account assignment. Um, for me, of course, that's an important part to sales comp, but those are what I refer to as the front end tools. It's not what I would truly call performance management. Mm -hmm. Performance management for me is more around the ability to actually make predictions of what is going to happen and provide the tools, data, and insight as to um, not just be a lagging view, but actually a forward-looking view based on pipeline, based on forecast, based on past experience and model it all together. Your question with respect to how accurate is it? Um, let me put it this way. We're allowed a very small margin of error in our budgets. Yeah. And as you know, a commission budget is set at the beginning of the year and you have to be fairly precise. Yeah. As you can't overrun costs. And unless the business tanks in itself, which is a different discussion topic, um, you shouldn't underspend either because that's also a bad reflection. Yeah. And with going the new SPM route, we've been more or less been able to stay under the threshold of variance that we're given. Um, not only that, but also with things like spiffs that you throw in after the fact or tweaks to the comp plan that had to be made, yeah. we were well within the variance allowed um, to predict costs and results. Got it, got it. So, so apart from the machine element, right? I mean, using AI predictive analytics, do you think it's a good idea to involve the sales team itself while designing your comp plan? I mean, how do you incorporate feedback? How do you incorporate different levels of motivation? What excites a particular sales team versus the other team? I mean, how do you bring all of it together? So there's two, two hearts that beat in my chest in that one. So do we involve the sales team in designing the comp plans? Probably not, and I would say no. Mm -hmm. Do we involve them in getting feedback on what's working, what's not working? Absolutely. Um, there's no way to design a comp plan if you don't know what's working and not working in the current plan. That may not reflect in the sense that the sales team will give you an exact answer of what to fix, but it'll give you very much the feeling and the, the view of what they're doing. And so the feedback you receive from a sales team, you have to translate from what they're saying mm -hmm. into what they're doing. And if what they're doing is not what you want them to do, then you know you have to make adjustments to your comp plan so that it actually does what you want them to do. Very few salespeople will be in a position to sort of disconnect themselves from their own earnings, which, by the way, that's why they're salespeople. That's why they're really good salespeople. Yeah. We don't want them to disconnect. They're supposed to be focused on that. And so one has to, I think this to your point, this is something machine learning may not be able to do and where uh, people like yourself and myself will always have a job in that we can interpret and translate 
the feedback we receive as to what's working, what's not, not working into actionable points and how to revise a comp plan so that it then does what we want the sales team to do, how we want them to sell, where we want them to sell, and what we want them to sell. Um, the further up you go in the food chain and the ladder with respect to seniority of salespeople, um, in some instances, there are some good ideas that are given, absolutely. <clears throat> but personally, I've not found it um, helpful just to have one source of information. So basically, go across the board, talk to your HR people, talk to your finance people, talk to your sales people, talk to your leadership, talk to um, the product side as to what the components are, because all of these to the point again, lagging indicators do help you design the comp plan or adjust it accordingly so that you get what you need for the future of the business. Great. So, so you mentioned about measuring the success of the comp plans, right? Say after your year is over or after your quarter is over, what are some of the metrics that one can look at to, to uh, understand whether a particular comp plan worked or didn't work as well. So how do you how do you measure it? I mean, do you have any any uh, secret sauce that that you <laughs> use to be able to identify okay that this is because this is really hard, right? It's it's very hard to say that the performance improved because of a sales comp plan, right? I mean, there's so many other things happening in the market with respect to your internal dynamics. Right. So, so how do you attribute it to a sales comp plan, positive or negative? Um, I think the easiest answer, and everybody will quote unquote hide behind it, is the dollar number or uh, the amount of revenue created from the respective product or whatsoever. Um, if it fails, it's always the comp plan's fault. Always. <laughs> right. We know that. And that's perfectly OK. We all live with that. Um, if it all runs well then it was either a good product or a good salesperson or whatever. No, there's a there's a plethora of metrics that we try to use and try to get insight from. Number one, um, of course, is revenue, revenue, cash flow and so forth. But that's not truly a storytelling metric in itself. It's just one part of the component. There's other things like adoption, consumption, um, renewals a general satisfaction of the customer overall, not just with the product itself, but also with the sales process itself. So um, time to close, time to resolution of issues that pop up. There's a plethora of things that we look at in parallel, just parallel to the revenue itself, mm -hmm. that help us understand that if the comp plan is one of the motivators, but it is not the only one. Yeah. And so, yeah. One of the things we found is revenue is a great metric, but if you are able to define other metrics that, for example, help drive consumption, help drive renewals, help drive other factors that are success metrics for the customers themselves, then your comp plan has evolved to something far more valuable, both mm -hmm. to the selling party, as well as the customer, as well as the salesperson themselves. So sales comp plans, even though it says sales, and most people correlate that back to revenue, revenue does not have to be the only metric in your sales comp plan. And yeah. actually, it shouldn't yeah. be. 
yeah and a lot of people actually want to know this right that what is the right ratio of share of revenue based goals or revenue based compensation versus non revenue based compensation which are more leading indicators right like the the sales process something that reflects your service uh, or consumption as you mentioned right uh, so so what is typically a good share i mean i know it's very specific to to where the organization is uh, how mature they are but typically if you have to let's say in general talk about a mid size to a large a medium size organization what would that rate typical ratio be um now of course my answer just like any other comp person would answer you at this point would be it depends it depends on the role you want to have if it is somebody who's solely focused on the after sales support of the customer mm-hmm. then it could be 100% value driven i.e. consumption and so forth if it is a account manager type role that is focused on taking over the account as soon as it's been sold um handles with the adoption of the products the consumption of the products the expansion of the products then it could be 50-50 if it is the salesperson who's the hunter um it could be 25% of their variable more to the value and 75% focused on the revenue because of course a hunter is a hunter who wants an immediate gratification and yeah. is more focused yeah. on the actual contract itself but you want to make sure that what they sell actually comes to fruition so it's a delicate balance in trying to find the right weight between driving the behavior that you want for example a sales executive driving a lot of new business versus an account manager driving maybe more expansion and focus on the consumption and adoption so that the renewal absolutely happens got it and and typically right a lot of people again are are curious about how do i drive engagement right at the end of the day how do i get more and more people uh, attached to the sales comp plans how do i accelerate the engagement and do i use any tool or do i just use internal communication like email slack or any other medium right typically that's that's already available to drive employee engagement what would be your tips or suggestion to those people who are looking to accelerate the same um i have to dig more into the question itself as to what what the ask and intent is but maybe i can jump a little bit to the left that gives a little bit of an extra insight there's nothing wrong with bringing more and more people on what i would call a variable incentive comp plan and this is where i think the journey is going for many of us in that we used to call it sales incentive compensation and sales incentive compensation was for the sales person only yeah we're going more and more towards the direction that we're dissecting the components of the sales cycle which is more like a spiral you start small you sold something then you adopt and consume and then you expand and you grow and renew and then it keeps going gets bigger and bigger and bigger mm-hmm. in that spiral or in that cycle there's a lot of people involved and in the past you often had people saying well wait i do the majority of the work why am i not paid like the sales person okay yeah. well there's a risk and reward um component in sales but 
we can bring more and more roles onto a variable comp plan. Um, when I say that, it's not necessarily throwing money out the window, um, because as you know, a salesperson funds their own variable component of their on-target earnings. That's something most people miss. But bringing other roles into that equation with a very clearly defined responsibility and metrics set up to reflect that helps the overall sales cycle expand and expand and truly turn into a spiral as opposed to just a dead end. And so maybe not quite answering your question, but going in the direction of we should be talking more about variable incentive compensation as opposed to just sales incentive compensation. And one of the key things is that's not possible in spreadsheets. <laughs> yeah. You need a very flexible system that goes beyond what we may have designed in the past. Um, now, with respect to workflows for the respective roles, um, sure, there's classic CRM systems you can use. There's classic workflow systems you can use. Um, maybe not necessarily the target focus for an incentive comp design person. Um, that's more around just the standard operational side mm -hmm. of it. But very important, a lot of the outcome that is within the workflow being done can be used for variable incentive compensation. So a combination of what is in the CRM system or in your workflow system can contribute towards the paycheck for the respective roles on a variable incentive comp plan. Got it. Got it. And, and in the last couple of years, right, since COVID hit, I mean, uh, have you seen any any ways in which performance management has changed and and some of these things, if you have seen, are they like passe or are some of them uh, expected to remain in the long term? That's question number one. And the second thing I would also want to know is how do you see this evolving? You already answered it in a way that a lot a lot more people are uh, can be brought into the variable compensation variable more uh, payouts, but but what else do you see how how incentive compensation will evolve in next few years? So let me ask answer the second part first before I get to the first part. You might have to remind me again just in case I forget. So with respect to the evolution of incentive compensation, I think foremost and most important is the evolution of the tools itself that we use um, for compensation. I said in the past they were incentive comp management systems with very little flexibility, not necessarily, they were designed for salespeople, perfectly fine, did their job for a long time, but doesn't necessarily reflect the needs of most companies today. Or let me rephrase that. I'll give you an analogy. At some point in time, the retail business wanted to know how can we sell more? And so when you go online and you're in your social media, now you see you clicked on something, you looked at it. All of a sudden, that site gives you five more products that are very similar. And yeah. hey, you might be interested in this. Now, to a degree, that's annoying. That's just my personal opinion. But it is also very effective marketing. Yeah. And what is it? It's the intelligence of the system basically trying to predict what you're going to do next. So translate that to incentive comp. You now want to know how is that 
as aforementioned, multiple roles working together, multiple roles being on an incentive comp plan, being compensated on certain metrics along the journey of the sales cycle and of the consumption cycle and adoption cycle, you now have to tie all those things together. Mm-hmm. If you try to do that and determine and model success in a spreadsheet, that's impossible. Yeah. I mean, that's way too much data. So the design of system nowadays has to be in a way where it gives you the ultimate freedom and flexibility to design and implement um, count plans that we haven't even thought of today. And I probably haven't thought of them either yet, but somebody may have an idea and you go, oh my God, that's perfect. Let me add that in. And so a lot of it around the systems of tomorrow, sometimes today, and some of them already exist, is having solutions that are not limited to everything we have today, but have the flexibility to basically go above and beyond and bring in new features and bring in new ideas that didn't exist in the past for our standard ICM solutions, which is why I mentioned before, there's a lot of systems out there that do good ICM. There's a lot of systems out there that plopped in the operational side to the front. Mm-hmm. There's very few systems out there that truly focus on AI and predictive analytics, and even less that have that flexibility to be able to design and implement solutions that go beyond the standard sales view of the world. Yeah, very true, very true, Robert. So, so yeah, I mean, the other thing that I wanted to know was uh, uh, how has performance management changed in last two years of COVID? And is, is it something that you expect to continue or, I mean, it's more or less the same, just different metrics? Um, I'd say sales performance management actually started changing before COVID hit. COVID has just emphasized it even more. I think the journey for a lot of us started about three, four years ago where we were asked and tasked with metrics and reports and predictions that we were just not able to do anymore in our existing environments. Mm-hmm. And so we had to start the journey to go from ICM to SPM and sort of think about how do you actually do that? What happened with COVID was a plethora of things in that it it basically escalated and sped up that process even more to have more metrics and more when I say more metrics, more success metrics than just revenue itself, because people were learning that the value added steps pre, during, and after a sale are just as important as the sale itself. And so having to come up with ideas of how to measure that, how to put that in incentive plans, and how to keep track of everything and being able to predict each one individually mm-hmm. has come far more important than ever before. It was always there. Yeah. <laughs> it's just yeah. we didn't pay as much attention to it or we ignored it or it wasn't as relevant. I'll give you an example. If you sell perpetual licenses, it's not as complicated to sell the maintenance because it's only a small portion of the initial price and you get your upgrades and so forth. So it was basically a hamster wheel, right? doesn't require that much. If you sell a subscription, you're basically reselling that product again yeah. at time of renewal. Now, so there's more involved than what you would need for the renewal of maintenance. 
So there's that, what I mentioned before, that spiral of individual roles that are part of that subscription lifetime and life cycle that help and need to be there and need to be compensated accordingly to drive the right behavior so that it not only renews, but it expands and renews and expands and renews and expands and, re and that keeps on going. So yeah. COVID has basically not just forced us, but helped us focus far more on each of the individual steps as to, as opposed to just the sale itself. Yeah, and I think the example that you gave about looking at it as a spiral is really great. I mean, that, that really helps you visualize uh, different, different parts, right? Different parts of the sales process, consumption and everything else. And how do you look at sales comp? So great, Robert. I mean, it was really pleasure uh, to, to have you today on, on, on the podcast with us. Is there any last trick, tip or suggestion that you would want to give to the audience, to the listeners uh, in terms of what is that one thing that they should do to, to ensure that their sales compensation help them in achieving their objectives? If I may, I'm going to take two things. So number one, Sales compensation is not a strategy in itself. Without a corporate strategy, without a product strategy, without a sales strategy, there will be no sales effective sales strategy. It would always fail. So make sure you have all those things lined up. Second, be creative. Come up with the new ideas that none of us have ever thought of before. As we mentioned, we're moving into a world where we're bringing new roles or maybe even existing roles into a variable incentive comp environment to help drive certain behaviors of licensing models that we've never thought of before. So be creative and come up with ideas and challenge your vendors to support those ideas because that will basically help you be successful in the long run. Great, Robert. Thank you so much once again. And for everyone who wants to know more about Connect Sales Performance and Incentive Compensation Solution and how we help you stay more and more dynamic, uh, please reach out to us uh, from our website, request for a demo, and we'd be happy to understand your challenges and share your details. Uh, thank you, Robert. Once again, it was really a pleasure having you speak with us. It was a lot of insights, and I'm, I hope we can talk once again, maybe with a with with lot more questions uh, and, and more insights to follow. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you. Pleasure was mine.